Howdy and welcome to the 10-Week Bible Study. This is week 7, day 5 of our study of Galatians and Colossians. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and today we're talking about Colossians 1, 24-29. Welcome back to the 10-Week Bible Study. Again, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs. Would you join me as we pray? Jesus, we want to encounter you through your word today. Touch us and fill us with your Holy Spirit. In your name we pray, amen. With that, let's jump into God's word to be reading today from the NIV. This is Colossians 1, starting in verse 24. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. So Paul is saying, <clears throat> I am suffering, and he's saying it's for you. And he's speaking to the Colossians, even though he's never met them. He's speaking in this you know, general sense, I'm suffering for the sake of the gospel. And you, Colossians, as recipients of the gospel, as we all are, I'm suffering by extension for you. That's what Paul's getting at here. And, and Paul has suffered. Paul, you know, lays out <clears throat> in several of the books we see in, in the book of Acts, all of the things that Paul, not even all the things that Paul goes through. He's, he's been whipped. He's been lashed. He's been shipwrecked several times. Um, you know, he's rotted in prison for years at a time because of the gospel. He's been falsely accused. He's been stoned, I think, to death at one point, and the Lord raised him up. Um, we've got all of these things that Paul has suffered for the sake of the gospel, specifically bringing the gospel to people like the Colossians. So that's why he's saying, I'm, I'm suffering for you. Um, so he's, he's saying, you know, I'm filling up in my flesh what is lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions. I, I think that's an interesting phrase there in verse 24. <clears throat> um, there's nothing lacking in Christ's afflictions, but there's things lacking in Paul and, and even in his physical body, right? He's saying, I can't suffer uh, anywhere near as much as what Jesus did, but uh, he suffered for all of us, for the church. Um, and so the Lord is just letting me feel a little bit of what he feels, <clears throat> right? And that's, that's not a, that's, that's not nothing. Actually, we need to take that kind of thing very seriously. <clears throat> when the apostles in the book of Acts were all beaten and said, Hey, don't you preach the name of Jesus anymore? And they're like, well, you can do whatever you want to us, but we're going to keep preaching the name of Jesus and to threaten them. They beat him and they whipped him all. And they left there thanking God that they had been counted worthy to suffer physically for his name, right? They watched Jesus suffer and die on the cross <clears throat> and they count it as, as something important, as powerful to feel the physical things that Jesus felt. That's a, that's a big deal. And Paul's acknowledging that here and people, Christians throughout history have physically suffered and, and in a way, I mean, it's, it's when you're getting beaten, it's not going to feel awesome. But in a way, it is actually getting to enter in to the knowledge of God in a way that you wouldn't otherwise. And this is not, you know, like, 
you can't do this yourself, right? You can't uh, beg for people. You can't be a jerk to people and have them beat you up and claim, you know, that you're being persecuted. You can't do it, go into like self-flagellation, you know, like um, uh, scarlet letter style, that kind of stuff. This is, you are actually preaching the gospel. You're living for Jesus and people physically harm you because of that. You actually, as, as, as terrible as that is, there's a grace in it because you get to experience the emotions and the feelings that Jesus had when he was laying his physical body down on our behalf. That's, that's big. I'm not saying go out there and be like, Jesus, you know, let me you know, be a martyr and let me, let me feel all sorts of physical beatings for your sake. I don't know that that's necessarily a wise thing. I mean, you can pray that all you want. The Lord is, is good and he's not going to be like, oh, well, you know, I don't really like you that much. So I'll, I'll answer that prayer. That's not how this works. But, you know, it's, it's not something necessarily I would fill my mind with. Uh, I've, I've encountered people that that's the, the way that they think. They generally tend to, it seems like they try to get themselves into unnecessary trouble. There's enough trouble. There is enough trouble in this world and with trying to share the gospel with broken people that you don't need to seek out the trouble. If you're doing what the Lord's asking you, the trouble will find you. Believe me, that's how this works. All right, verse 26, we're going to go back a little bit to that. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. <clears throat> Paul is saying there's a mystery about this whole thing that Jesus has done for us, and it's that Jesus is working within us. Right, this this mystery of the ages, he's allowed us to see it and understand it. The thing that all the patriarchs, all of the people in the Old Testament, they were looking forward to, but they didn't receive, they didn't touch it, or maybe they just touched a little bit of it, they just tasted just a little bit of it. It's been given in fullness to us. The things that Moses and Abraham could only dream of experiencing. Paul's saying God has given that to us in its fullness or its near fullness, far beyond what they could have experienced. That's the mystery of Christ in us in this, this era that we live in now, right? Verse 28, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ, to this end, I strenuously contend with all my energy, Christ, so powerfully works in me. Paul is saying, you know, we want everyone to know about Jesus and to be as mature. We want fully mature in Jesus. We're, we're, we're getting people saved and we're discipling them. Those are the two functions of the church. Those are the things that Jesus gave us as he's ascending into heaven. Go and make disciples, right? That takes two steps. If you want to break that down, it takes evangelism. You got to get people to believe in Jesus and then you got to disciple them to grow and become mature in Jesus. Paul's saying, that's what I'm spending my life for. And just in case you thought that the church was there to give to the poor, to watch the kids in daycare, do every other function that churches do. And those are not bad things. And those 
you know, we can equate all of those things as part of the mission of the church. The only mission that, that Jesus gave, or at least the primary, I won't say the only, but the primary mission that Jesus gave to the church is go and make disciples. That's like, if, if you want to say it's go and make disciples, but, or go and make disciples and, right? It, it doesn't fit in the same sentence, right? We can say, we're going to go and make disciples by doing some of these other things. But if we're going to say, we're going to go and make disciples, but we also want to do, like, we want to do some things on top of that. It doesn't work. Or we say, you know, well, yeah, go and make disciples, but that doesn't really, doesn't really fit with our mission as a church. We want to be a church that doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. That is who we are. We are to go and make disciples. <clears throat> now, does that mean if you've never led anybody to Jesus or you're not, currently discipling somebody by sitting down with them one-on-one or whatever, that you're not being obedient to Jesus, you know, listen, not necessarily, but I want to totally let you off the hook. Like if you are avoiding that, like if you are going the other direction, if you feel God tugging on you to do those kinds of things and you're like Jonah running the other direction, that's not a good place to be. But at the same time, every single one of us has people to evangelize to and disciple. If you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, you have people that you love and know that are very close to you and very easy for you to uh, witness to or, and, and more importantly, even just disciple, pour your life into theirs and, and cause them to grow in maturity. All of those things are available to all of us and and my goodness, our families are our primary mission fields or everyone's primary mission fields. But that doesn't mean that there aren't other mission fields we can engage in as well. And I think that this is something that the church, certainly in the West, I don't want to accuse all of the church and not even in the West, but I want to accuse, definitely don't want to accuse all the church on planet earth right now of being complacent in this, but it is certainly something that we see complacency in the West is this idea of going and making disciples, right? This thing that Paul says he is strenuously contending for with the energy that Jesus puts in him, all of the energy that Jesus is giving him, he wants to spend witnessing and, and discipling. That's the thing that Paul is spending his energy on. And I don't know necessarily Paul, the Lord called Paul to do this full-time in his full-time capacity. It doesn't mean that that's every single believer has to do that in a full-time capacity, right? That That's not necessarily how this works. It doesn't work that way. <clears throat> but it's something that every believer should be putting energy into in some capacity, now, I don't want that to come off as overly heavily heavy-handed or oppressive. This is one of those things that if it's like you're feeling that pinch in your soul, it's like, ah, I don't really do that and I don't think about that, that's okay, right? We don't need to feel guilt about what we haven't been doing. That's life in Jesus. That's how this works. We don't need to like let guilt and shame and accusation come on us, what we haven't been doing but it's our opportunity to dialogue with him about what we can be doing moving forward. Lord, what do I do? This, this really moves me. If you're saying this, say, Lord, this is, this is convicting to me. What do I do moving forward? How can I start to take some baby steps? What are the things that I need to do today, this week, this month, this year to start actually working toward these things that Paul is talking about? 
making disciples, what you called us all to do as you ascended into heaven, go and make disciples. Lord, what do I need to do moving forward to make that happen in my life? That's a question that every church in America, in the West, around the world, every church should be asking, every individual should be asking, every pastor, every leader, every teacher, every construction worker that follows Jesus, every single one of us needs to be asking those kinds of questions. Holy Spirit, Lord, what do we need to be doing today, tomorrow, this month, this year, to be fulfilling what you called us to do. And I pray that we will. For the 10-Week Bible Study, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and I can't wait to see you next time. Hey, thanks for tuning into the 10-Week Bible Study podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a review for it on your podcast app of choice? It really helps other people find out about this podcast, and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's Word. Thank you.